Welcome back to middle school It's a zoo right there So just be cool Don't speak too loud Try to fit in But if you don't Then you can be in everyone and a welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and back with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa. I am indeed back with you again and I mean I, I, I just have to say right off the bat you gave me such a hard time last week for making us watch <laughs> what was objectively a bad movie and you were like oh let's watch Agent Cody Banks this week. It's so much better. And I have news for you. It was not. So, you know, <laughs> let me just like get that right out of the way right now. This movie was not great. It was not. You know, this is one of those cases where like the memory of what I thought it was and then what it actually is were completely incompatible. <laughs> <laughs> just entirely. I own that. When was the last time you watched this movie? I mean, probably like 2003. I mean, I was very excited because obviously we had seen Frankie Muniz um, in his one episode of Lizzie McGuire, and he did great there. I think he earned an MVP from both of us, as well as Ivan. And yeah, he did not deliver here. I think that, you know, he worked with what he had. I don't think Frankie is at fault here. I mean, I think he's a little bit at fault. (laughs) Okay. Well, we will get into all of that. And it's weird because Frankie Muniz in this movie, um, at least when it comes to like his dating life and his relationships, is a season one Lizzie McGuire. It's so strange. That's so true. But the re- but the reaction from his peers is not a Lizzie McGuire response. Like, can you imagine Ethan Kraft asking Lizzie McGuire if she's in special ed <laughs> as she stutters at him? No, because Ethan Kraft is our unproblematic himbo hero. (laughs) You would never. There were so many problems with this movie. Numerous cringy moments. Um, Okay, let's... um, (laughs) I don't want to get too deep into it if there's other things we want to talk about off the top. Are there other things we want to talk about off the top? Um, I would say, you know, the challenge has started once again. um, And I'm very sad... I know this isn't a challenge podcast, but I'm going to vent because <laughs> my favorite guy, Nam, where did you go? He's just gone again. Apparently he got COVID. So I guess that's where he went. But I'm upset. Isn't that just so sad, though, that there was like, you know, they did so much to make sure that everybody was safe and like protected for se- for the last season of the challenge. Like everyone was locked down before the whole the whole nine yards. And then now we have this vaccine and I think a lot of productions have kind of like loosened their protocol a little bit, Mm -hmm. but like not everybody is getting vaccinated. I'm confused. That was almost as bad as the accents in this movie. (laughs) That was (laughs) From villains from an an unspecified country with an unspecified motivation that just exists. Yes, but at the beginning of the movie, they were in Hong Kong. 
Yeah, which is also super random. Like, why are they in Hong Kong <laughs> if they're just going to end up in Seattle? And I don't know. Okay, anyways. Anyways. Yes, the challenge. Also, sad to see, you know, the first one out. I mean, we don't want to spoil that. Yeah. Yeah, just a, a big old bummer. Yeah, you know what we haven't talked about on the podcast, but what I have for the first time in a long time been enjoying immensely, and that is Big Brother. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about One Tree Hill. (laughs) I mean, I can talk about One Tree Hill. You don't need to. That's okay. I mean, One Tree Hill, though. I mean, season one. See, now you have me off. It's happening. You can't change it. Oh, no. You you did this to yourself. I am currently rewatching One Tree Hill along with the podcast Drama Queens, which is co-hosted by Sophia Bush, Hillary Burton, and Bethany Joy Lenz, the three lead female characters on One Tree Hill. It is so good. And One Tree Hill season one was airing around the same time as Lizzie McGuire. So Lizzie McGuire is like a window into like the kid and like tween content of that time. And then One Tree Hill is really just like full throttle, like high school WB. It wasn't even the CW yet. It was WB Mm -hmm. drama. Yeah. It's interesting to see because at the time when I was watching Lizzie McGuire, they felt so much older to me. Like I did not watch One Tree Hill until years later in reruns because I would have been seven watching One Tree Hill, which (laughs) was not compatible. But it is interesting to like think about content for different, you know, age groups across the spectrum of the early 2000s. What uh what age group would you say this movie is for? I think it's for like Lizzie McGuire people, like young kids. You think this movie was for young kids? I think it was for like the 8 to 12. There were some moments in this movie that did not feel like they were for young kids. I mean, it was pretty violent. Well, I was going to say when that hologram lady starts like crawling around on the table. <laughs> okay so yes there's a lot going on in terms of the overt hypersexualization of women in this movie that we need to talk about yeah no i'm i'm very curious like what you would say to an eight-year-old who is like mommy why did that woman just take that child's towel off and hit him with it (laughs) but i think those things don't even like register to you as a kid like, I don't think that, like, it's just supposed to be for comedic effect. Like, I guess, but I mean, they should if they're supposed to be like, I don't know, a movie that's going to be remembered by children for, you know, the rest of their lives. It is a weird. As a positive experience. It is a weird tone. I mean, I say that, like, it was definitely marketed to a younger audience because, like, I watched it right around when it came out because I loved Lizzie McGuire and I would follow Hillary Duff anywhere she went as I still do to this day. But tonally it's like, I mean, it's supposed to be like a teen James Bond I, I, situation. I may regret this because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. And in my head, I feel like similar to you, I have a very positive recollection of this movie, but agent Cody Banks was no spy kids. I don't know if we're comparing Agent Cody Banks to Spy Kids, at least in terms of like what I remember Spy Kids being. And I don't know if there were problematic things now. Obviously, it's been a minute, but I feel like Spy Kids was just on another level. 
Well, Spy Kids was really like a family drama at its heart. And there was like sibling dynamics to play with. And there was just like a really, like, I, I feel like the characters were more developed in Spy Kids. Like the character development in this movie was just not. I, I feel like the star power is pretty, pretty tit for tat, pretty similar. You know, you have Alan Cumming as the, you know, main villain in uh, Spy Kids. And then here, I was very shocked to see Ian McShane <laughs> show up on my screen. I was not expecting him to be in this movie. Yeah. Actually, looking at it now, there's a chance that Spy Kids might have more star power than... Uh, Asian Cody Banks. I mean, Tony Shalhoub. I didn't even remember him being. Yeah, in this movie. that's what I'm saying. There's like a lot going. Of course, Danny Antonio, Trejo, Ant- Antonio Banderas, a like, pre-boyhood Richard Linklater. Crazy. There's a lot there. There's a lot going on here. Ugh, Spy Kids. I feel like I need to watch Spy Kids now. We could do a comparative analysis. That would be really getting <laughs> down like a really weird wormhole that this podcast is not even. No, then, you watch, to being then you watch Spy Kids, then you watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I never watched Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Does that evoke anything to you? I know it's Taylor Lautner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, in three, do I watch it in 3D? Ooh, I think I watched it in 3D. Wait, Shark Boy and Lava Girl was also a Robert Rodriguez film? That's what I'm saying. Shark Boy and Lava Girl <laughs> and Spy Kids were written directed by the same guy. Okay. But then how does Shark Boy and Lava Girl get us back to Lizzie McGuire? What's the connective tissue? Yeah, how do we how do we um Kevin Bacon this back to Lizzie McGuire? <laughs> <laughs> how do we do that? Good question. Let's see. Um all right, so we're we're currently at Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Hmm. Oh, then we can go to Cheaper by the Dozen Two, which apparently Taylor Lautner is in. There you go. That's only like two <laughs> degrees of separation. Wait, is is Hillary Duff in Cheaper by the Dozen too? Yes. Is she in all the cheap? How many? There were only two, right? There were either two, were there two or three. There might have been three, but two is when they go to the lake house. I think it's like a summer vacation. All right. So that didn't take. That wasn't that hard that actually. Wasn't that so hard. if we go to, <laughs> if over the next month we go to Shark Boy. And Lava Girl, and then Cheaper by the Dozen. I guess it's only two weeks. Cheaper by the Dozen, too. We'll eventually make our way back to the podcast. <laughs> and that'll be like a weird appendix in what was this podcast journey. Truly going off the rails. Yeah. But let's reel it back in. Let's get into Agent Cody Banks, a movie that I have like fond memories of, but I really don't know why. <laughs> Me either. Like even like the Hillary Duff aspect. Like Hillary Duff is so underwritten in this movie. She's Her- so forgettable. Yeah. She could be anybody. And she was really underutilized. Yeah, I mean and like rendered as this like damsel in distress. There were so many things I didn't understand about this movie. I didn't understand, <laughs> you know, like why they even like each other. Besides, like, oh, they're attractive. Like, because they their personalities, don't. Ha- they have nothing in common at all. Um, I didn't understand, again, the villain's motivation because it's very unclear. It just seems like he wants to take over the, I don't know, just uh, does he have a vendetta against America? Does he want to take over the world? I don't even know. <laughs> I did not understand uh, 
I don't understand how Frankie got into this like CIA training camp or even what his motivation is. It feels like it's something he just kind of like stumbled into. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) No, I don't understand how like it's like we've planted one agent in all of these different cities and they're talking about this program. I'm sorry. It sounded very Hitler youthy. It was very weird. <laughs> no, those videos were wild. Yeah, I don't know. It was it it was just very strange. Yeah, I don't understand a lot of the choices. So here's the thing. I feel like this movie was the polar opposite from last week's experience with what happened last night where there was no plot and it was all character. In this movie, it's just like plot, 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 but there's never any moments to just kind of let the characters breathe and develop them. I felt like it was working in the beginning though, right? Like it did help give the movie a little bit of structure and it's like towards the maybe like, I don't know, act one into act two that you're like, okay, but it's not really evolving. (laughs) Like it gets off to a pretty good, if you can look past the Hitler youth aspect and you can look past like the fact that the main villain never really gets any sort of characterization, which I feel like you realize around, yeah, probably about that act one into act two break moment. The first act is pretty, pretty good. You know, you get him rescuing a baby, not a baby, I guess like a small child. A toddler? Is a t- that the word you're looking for? <laughs> I, I don't know the stages of life. You go straight from infancy <laughs> to like a 10 year old in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was pretty exciting. You get uh, some banter with his little brother, who I feel like serially underutilized. Yeah, you get a a great bit of technology that's going to ruin the world. So you get, you know love some little <laughs> nanotech uh, eating robots. So that's not bad. The CIA director, pretty crazy guy. I don't really know what his deal is. He seems to be a little bit bipolar, but it's fun, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not even sure that I can agree with you on it being a pretty good first act because by the end of the first act, I still like don't really know who Cody Banks is. Excuse me. You know who Cody Banks is after the first scene because he wakes up 7 a.m. sharp and he's like, Time to get up. Karate move. <laughs> I I would argue, what more do you even need to know about Cody Banks? <laughs> like, what motivates him? Um, why, how he got involved in this weird, culty, teen CIA camp thing. Who are his friends? Like, he doesn't have any... There are no other meaningful interactions between... Cody and kids his own age outside of Hillary Duff and like being bullied. <laughs> he doesn't even have any normal interactions with her. No. <laughs> <laughs> Saying he has normal interactions with Hillary Duff is very generous because it went from a bad driver's ed experience to she murders somebody when they're together. So <laughs> <laughs> those I feel like are not two normal experiences. That's fair. But like, I'm like, he doesn't have any friends. No, I mean, I guess we can be semi thankful because it feels like for Cody, there's two routes he could take. He could either become this junior CIA agent or he could become uh, like a serial killer. 
So I guess we can be glad that you took this route rather than the latter. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Where do we go from here? That's a great question. I mean, I guess we just kind of run through it. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Well, we already talked about the opening scene. Um, This film is set in like suburban Seattle. Cody Banks wakes up 7 a.m. sharp and we have this like breakfast sequence. There's a lot of like snappy back and forth dialogue between him and his little brother, which I think honestly the strongest scene work in this movie is between Cody and his little brother, Alex. I mean, the little brother, Alex, is the true winner of the movie because he's able to strike a really sweet deal where he gets at least $5,000. I would take (laughs) $5,000 cash (laughs) just to, you know, pretend to be Cody for like an hour. So yeah, no, he, he was the big winner here. Yeah. So they tried to, he tries to like finagle his way into trading chores with Alex. um, So he doesn't have to clean up the, what the guinea pig excrement. Yeah. And Alex is like, just because I'm 10 doesn't mean I'm an idiot. I know what excrement means. Yeah. And then we cut to the scene and it is a random woman with a toddler. That is the word, Sam, toddler. I don't know. I felt like he seemed older than that. He felt like he could be at least five. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I'm really bad at judging ages. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, she parallel parks her car and leaves this child in the vehicle, in a running vehicle, to drop off some mail. That is a huge mistake. That is something you do not do. See, I didn't, I couldn't tell if the vehicle was running or not, but the kid just like. But she left her keys in it. That's true, but it's like, I don't think the vehicle started rolling back because it was on. Like, I think it started rolling back because it's a terrible car. Like, (laughs) all it takes is this kid to just, like, pull the e-brake, and it just starts rolling backwards. Yeah. Like, you need to get your car checked out. (laughs) Yeah, so now this child is rolling backward down a giant hill. I was really harsh on the mom in my notes. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say. And who other than Cody Banks witnesses this? All he needs is a skateboard to take on this car. Yeah. Did you like how he used some magic poses to become more aerodynamic? I did. I appreciated that. (laughs) It took me back to um, our ziplining moment. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a real process for him rescuing this child, um, this toddler, as you say, but you know, he gets to the door. The kid has locked the doors. Um, he's going to skate like through a construction site and end up like behind the car. Magically, they avoid getting hit in, at an intersection. <laughs> Stakes get raised when a train is coming. You always know that, you know, something <laughs> crazy is going to happen when a train whistle is just blowing. And uh, yeah, Cody's going to get in through the sunroof, pull the e-brake and then run away. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm out. Um, I guess, yeah. He doesn't need the glory. I respect that. He has to maintain his secret identity. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. He doesn't need the attention. Yeah. So then he's off. He skateboards away to school. Nailed it. So then we flip to, we are now in Hong Kong. We are being introduced to the villains of this film. And it is a terrible introduction. Terrible introduction, but great villains. I mean, in anything else, like you have Ian McShane. He's always a great villain. He was a great villain in um, Pirates of the Caribbean, great villain in Deadwood. 
just like Ian McShane, always kills it, always brings it. And then this other guy is like the main villain in like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Really? Oh yeah, he goes way hard. I feel like actually in the mummy, he had a similar ending where he got eaten out from the eaten out. Well, he got <laughs> e- <laughs> where he got eaten from the inside. <laughs> or you know, like a similar like, you know, his body just disintegrated kind of death, you know? Rough way to go. Rough way to go getting eaten out by the in- from the inside. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I wish that they really utilize these actors to their full capacity. Absolutely. I mean, they did not get to showcase their best stuff here in this movie by no means. Not at all. So in this scene, we are seeing a sort of model diorama situation, um, basically showing us how this technology called the nanobots work it is very flimsy at best in terms of like it's it's aspirational it's aspirational you know they can clean up an oil spill because they'll eat anything yes they're kind of like (laughs) an acid i guess yeah it's just really really strong hcl yeah basically and they can be programmed to just eat anything any like metal or carbon based substance the nanobots will take care of it is this where you were like is the motivation explained here and yeah at the end of the movie i went back to this scene because i was like i don't really understand why the villains did any of this and i tried to see like was it ever explained was it explained and i just missed it and um the the answer is no um so ian mcshane I don't even know his his name. What's his character's name? Brinkman? Brinkman, yeah. Nah, he's Ian McShane. <laughs> uh, so Ian McShane, he clearly has some nefarious intentions. Um, he's like, very good. You have 10 days. And Dr. Connors is like, 10 days? That's not enough time. And Ian McShane is like, I said 10 days. And then- Meanwhile, we're like, to do what? <laughs> <laughs> and then Dr. Connors is like dragged away. And then- Ian McShane is like, they'll have no idea what our plan is. And no one has an idea what his plan is. Yes, and we didn't introduce Dr. Connors, but he is the scientist behind the nanobot technology. He is also Natalie, a.k.a. Hilary Duff's dad. So keep that in mind. Very important detail. The whole plot kind of revolves around this. Yes. So now we cut to the CIA, and we get... The director giving a presentation on Dr. Connors, on the nanobot tech. We see like this video from an undercover agent who they think is about to expose the plan, but then he's like discovered and dragged away and presumably murdered like mid video diary. Oh yeah, classic. So that happens. Even the CIA is like, what is going on? What is this right that's that's their motivation for getting close to natalie now right because they want to figure out what exactly this technology does Mm -hmm. and this is clearly the most well i guess the thing is no one's seen dr connor's for for quite some time yes ever since his wife died of course we have a dead mom thing that is never again addressed he is reclusive and the only contact he has with the outside world (laughs) 
is through his teenage daughter, Natalie. Who is who is just very well adjusted. For, Seriously. <laughs> for someone with a dead mom and a reclusive dad. I mean, she doesn't really have a personality. Yeah. She's very just like perky, blonde, popular girl. Mm-hmm. So basically, the CIA says, here's the plan. We are going to recruit one of our junior agents, a teenage boy. This is where we get the whole sort of like Hitler youth background on the CIA junior agent operative, where apparently parents just kind of think they're sending their kids to this like average summer camp, but they actually just sent their kids to become government bodies yeah right? <laughs> no it's very weird they like sent them to this camp to be brainwashed i don't know it's like it doesn't <laughs> i don't know if it comes off the way that they want it to come off the voice of that training of that video that we see is so world like it is such it's triggering it is from that time no it really is all i was thinking was like i don't know this seemed like a little jojo rabbity yeah, and not in a satirical way. Yeah, but not in a satirical <laughs> way, in like a very like serious post 9-11 way. And like we can get into, you know, the whole ethics of this movie on like a conceptual level of like this concept of, you know, taking children from their homes and then training them to work for the government. But I feel like that would take us down a philosophical rabbit hole. Yeah. That we don't have time for. That's a for. different podcast. But it is mess. But stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> it is mess. Yeah. So anyways, they have children now all over the country, just ready. Yeah, ready to spring into action. <laughs> ready to really like tattle on their neighbors. To, <laughs> to just be narcs. And the agent for this job is Cody Banks. He does not live far. From Natalie Connors. How convenient. And bonus, he is apparently, quote, quite a lady killer. Um, Yeah, we learn immediately he is not. Yeah, it's a, like a nice <laughs> little... I did appreciate the way, like the shot choices and the cuts in this movie. Yeah. No, you can appreciate the editing here. The editing um, is good. And the, you know... The, the quick jump cut to him immediately being poor, but it's ruined by this girl right. asking him almost immediately afterwards if he's in special ed. So, you know, you had something good and then you just ruined it. <laughs> good job, Cody Banks. Yeah, not, not this I character mean, Cody Banks, just the entire entity. <laughs> that was honestly such a shocking comment to yeah. even hear. Like, that would never happen anymore. And it shouldn't have happened then. No, it should not have. So, yeah, that happens. Then we cut to him continuing to be humiliated by this moment in the locker room where all of these kids are kind of just like, you know, taunting him, re this little incident. Cue Angie Harmon. Yeah, Rizzoli herself. Rizzoli herself. Rizzoli's in the building. Okay, here's the thing. I just need to say about Angie Harmon and her character, Ronica Miles. On the surface, I do love the idea that, you know, Cody is working with a female detective or agent, rather, um, because they could have just, you know, paired him with a man. And this movie is already like bro enough. It is nice to see 
like this strong female CIA agent in this role. But then it's almost just undercut by the consistent objectification and hypersexualization of this character. It was so weird when she walks into this locker room. She's getting catcalled by like 12 year old by boys. Like 12 year old boys. It's so weird. She's in this like skin tight red pantsuit with like a low cut, you know, top, like tits out. Again, yes, is being catcalled. She says something like, be quiet or you'll all be in trouble. And then a child is like, what if I want to be in trouble? <laughs> what is happening? And it's then she so takes weird. his towel off. I just, this scene was so weird. I feel like there were several red flags. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is where I hear you on like the tone and like the demographic intent of this movie. Because what is happening? There is so many like inappropriate encounters between children and you know grown adults that you know verge on and sometimes are predatory but they are not you know meant to be received that way it's just so strange it's very strange but yeah she like removes a child's towel and then starts hitting other children (laughs) with that towel yeah and then to kind of like finish off the scene Ronica and Cody start speaking in code to each other, but the code words are all just kind of like nursery rhymes. Yeah, but they're like different nursery rhymes. It's not even like one nursery rhyme. They just start, yeah, babbling every single, it's like Hickory Dickory Dock, Peter Piper, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. To just really drive home the like infantilization of this whole situation and the fact that they are children. Mm hmm. Ah! Uh, Um, Yeah, so that's going to lead them to the CIA. They're going to get to the CIA right away. Cody, he's going to wander away immediately from his his handler, not partner, and and get caught. Why Cody is a wanderer, I don't know. We don't know anything about him, like anything meaningful. He's then taken into a briefing room and given kind of like the rundown on the nanobots, but it seems like he kind of knows more about the nanobots than they do again how uh unclear and uh then he gets the rundown on his target natalie he has to get close to her and find out what her what her father and eris are planning eris is like the i guess the entity that ian mcshane is the head of and uh here's here's the here's the inn she's having a birthday party and you need to get in yourself invited to it. Yeah. And we're going to put you in all of her classes. To which Cody says, isn't that a little creepy? And yes, Cody. The answer is yes. But yes, step one, get invited to the birthday party. So then we cut to a scene where Cody gets all of his, you know, super high tech gadgets. Now that he is on call and operative. Yeah. The first thing he gets is a pair of glasses that allow him to see through clothes. So excellent tool to give a young (laughs) pubescent boy. Yeah. And he just like immediately straight to, again, Ronica's boobs. So weird. Um, He gets a state of the art cell phone. Yeah. Um, And he gets a, (laughs) he gets a watch that's also a taser. Yes. And (laughs) $5,000. And $5,000. It's like the price is right. (laughs) 
Um, and he wants a car, but he doesn't get a car. He gets just, a new car. <laughs> he just gets an upgraded skateboard. Yeah. He goes back home. He tells his parents that he's transferring to prep school. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the dad is from Lost, my favorite TV show. I did not know that. He plays uh, a teacher in Lost named Arnst. Arnst. And uh, spoiler alert, Arnst is going to get blown up. Uh, he has a nice little two-episode arc, <laughs> two <episode arc laughs> and then he's gone. I was going to say he must be dead. Oh, yeah. He dies very early on. But yes, these parents are just oblivious to the point of you have to like have a level of suspension of disbelief just to reconcile how out of it Cody's parents are. Yeah, um, they need to see an administrator and right on cue, Ronica is here to impersonate uh, an administrator from the prep school. One thing that I didn't understand is that then Cody goes up to his room and Alex, the little brother, walks in, and he's mocking Cody for blowing it with Amy earlier. I don't understand how they're in the same school. Like, how does Alex know about this? Yeah, he's 10. He's 10, and Cody's supposed to be, what, 15? Yeah. Like, very clearly in high school. Yeah. So this does not make sense. This, to me, feels like a plot hole. Yeah, and then, so, Ronica shows up, you know, disguised as a, or in character as a, the prep school administrator. What we did not mention during her first entry is that, you know, the song It's Getting Hot in Here starts playing. Yeah. Um, and it comes back again and we see Cody's dad also being, like he is flustered around Ronica Miles because she so is basic. hot. In front of his wife. I mean, that's the effect Rizzoli will have on you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Ronica does the job. She has them hook, line, and sinker and cut to prep school. This is not what uh, he signed up for. It's also not what Ronica signed up for. Yeah, basically, Cody's feeling very insecure in this moment because he knows what a klutz he is with the ladies, but Ronica doesn't. And she's like, what's not to like? This was weird. <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of weird sexual tension in this movie between Frankie Muniz and Angie Harmon. It is wildly uncomfortable and shocking, quite frankly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like they have more chemistry than Frankie and Hillary. Yeah, although I feel like I also know nothing about Ronica. Like, what do you mean? She's hot and. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just thought, you know, and she's like a CIA agent. why maybe like uh, why she wanted to be a CIA agent, like what she's done in her past. You know how when you go, when you have like a war movie and then there's always like a scene of like why they do this or like something that happened in their past that like traumatized them to become the person they are now. Yeah. What is Ronica's <laughs> trauma? Yeah. Working with this child, clearly. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. So. Cody has been put into all of Natalie's classes and they're going to bump into each other right away because of course, um, and he's smitten because why wouldn't he be? Um, he's immediately going to get into an altercation with some of the boys in the school. So, you know, you can take the fish out of water, but it's still a fish. Yeah. I'm like, what, what is with, what is with Cody Banks? Because you have to wonder at a certain point, right? If like you are in different situations, and like his 
old school versus his new school. The same exact thing is happening. It's like, at what point are you like, am I the problem? <laughs> like, We get a, a nice little like, oh, what if I could beat these kids up right here? Yeah, like a black and white <laughs> action sequence. Yeah. That's all going on in Cody's head. Um, but just kidding. You know what would be even, you know what's, you know, a less inconspicuous method? Just electrocuting the kid. <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't touch the silver button. He t- And then the kid touches the silver button. All right, cool. Nobody noticed or cares no. <laughs> that a child was just electrocuted this, in the house. This goes completely unaddressed. But, you know, this leaves an opening for Cody to try again with Natalie, or I guess try for really for the first time. The first interaction was just the bump and then, you know, the sorry. Um, so he's going to go up to her and Cody, what is your pickup line of the day? Are those books? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm interested. Just kidding. No, he really just just totally chokes here. Yep. Uh, he thinks that T.S. Eliot is a woman. Natalie's favorite author. This is supposed to be his in, and he blew it. Also, T.S. Eliot is her favorite author? Do, that's the... All right, sure. I guess that's the point that we can pick at here. He's not even an author. He's a poet. Yeah. Yeah. I see you Googling. I see you fact-checking. Like, I don't know my T.S. Eliot. I mean, maybe he wrote some books. Who knows? I know that T.S. Eliot inspired cats. Okay, we can move on. So, does this mean that Cats is Natalie's favorite musical? I would not. I know nothing about Natalie. I, I have know. no idea. Um, you can speculate. It's canon now. All right. And then, yeah, Natalie. I guess what we do know about Natalie is that she's also kind of prejudiced. Um, because she also asked Cody if he's in special ed. Yeah, the fact that it happened once and then it comes back again and it's just gross. They're going to go now to driver's ed, which we never had in school. I've seen this in various different, you know, film and TV portrayals, but they made us pay for a driver's ed <laughs> outside of school. So I kind of feel like we got ripped off. Yeah. And um, so to set up, Cody and Natalie are both in the same driver's ed class. No other students, just those two. And uh, their driver's ed teacher is Mr. Yip. Who, oh my, what, like, what can we say about Mr. Yip? Not a great portrayal, not a great character. I don't know that I needed to see Mr. Yip. Yeah, I mean, it is a full-blown racist caricature. Yeah. We can just, we can just say what it is. It's, it's another piece of this movie that just would not exist. Yeah. Today. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, I feel like today's racism is a little more covert. Like, it's not as, like, this is so in your face. It is. In a way that would not be written today. I'm not saying that there aren't still, like, racist or stereotypical depictions of minorities in TV because they're apps in film because there absolutely is. But, like, to the extent of this, I don't think so. This is like that character. Oh my God, who's that character in like Pretty in Pink? Or, oh my God, what movie was that? Like Long Duck Dong? Was it? Oh, yeah. Was that what movie? Oh, 16 Candles. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse my Molly Ringwald. How dare you? Not all <laughs> Molly Ringwald pictures are the same. <laughs> <laughs> they are, though. Yeah, no, it, it, it like brought 
to that to mind to me something more from like the 80s mm-hmm. it was just really bad it was real bad and then the worst part okay there was a lot of bad parts but then at the end of his scene when the cia shows up and he thinks it's immigration or he says something about immigration yeah his immigration papers are okay yeah uh, what the f- but yeah, moving on for Mr. Yip, because obviously we're not, no one's a fan of Mr. Yip or the way that Mr. Yip is just kind of thrown in here like this. Um, the point here is Natalie is a terrible driver. Cody is also a terrible driver, but in an intentional way. And yeah, with confidence. Yeah, he's a confident, terrible driver. And um, he's really going to kind of, you know, go, go ham, go haywire at this driver's ed class. Natalie's not into it, and neither are her friends. And they tell Cody, stay away from her. You could have killed her. Yeah. And Mr. Yip will never give Cody his driver's license. Or Natalie. I mean, Natalie deserved it. (laughs) Natalie really, she beheaded like several cardboard cutouts. (laughs) Yeah, so that happens. I mean, like, I do think it's interesting the role that driving plays in this movie and how much it is emphasized because like they are children and driving is this like symbol of like one of the like first real like grown-up things you get to do Mm -hmm. and they are terrible at it which feels like it's supposed to mean something but they never really quite get the metaphor there no and then the ending just undercuts it um so then we cut to some hand-to-hand combat practice with Ronica. Again, sexual tension through the roof between a 15-year-old boy and an adult woman. Well, yeah, lots of rolling around. Um <laughs> How does this movie exist? Um that's a great question and I cannot answer it for you. Because I feel like we like if the genders were reversed on these two characters, I think it's I mean like I find it horrifying either way. But it's like, if you flip it and think about it that way, it's just like, how did this get made? Uh, yeah. Anyways, Ronica doesn't think that Cody is moving quick enough with the Natalie situation. And Cody's like, well, I'm just so busy doing all of this schoolwork. And, you know, I still have chores. And he basically bamboozles the CIA into doing everything for him. Yes, the CIA is going to come in. They're going to send in a bunch of agents to do his chores and his homework. And all Cody has to do is call Natalie. So Natalie says hello, and Frankie immediately hangs up. I respect that. (laughs) And um, this is the moment when the CIA director is like, oh, man, we messed up here. Yeah, He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and Cody is like, have you seen my dad? (laughs) (laughs) The director's like, why are you so bad with women? Have you seen my dad? Like, Cody, come on now. Don't put this on your dad. Your dad has a wife. (laughs) Yeah, your dad is married. (laughs) Yeah. You did this all by yourself. So yeah, so then we cut back to the CIA and the director is not happy. He is like, we spent $10 million training this kid. <laughs> $10 million. It's <laughs> like, what? That's why they can just give him five grand. They just like throw money in. You know? And they are just like so baffled that he can't talk to a girl. So then we get this like montage thing of a 
bunch of different groups of people within the CEA trying to give Cody lessons. The on CIA. How, what did I just say? The CEA. What is this? <laughs> the CIA trying to teach Cody how to talk to girls. Um, and it's all, you know, super misogynistic and problematic advice for the most part. Yeah. Even, and then you get the hologram. Yes. And then there's like a hologram of, again, a full adult woman who is, I mean, can we say a, not quite a stripper, but like definitely like. No, she's being very suggestive. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And she, again, tits out, tight clothes. This is where I write in my notes. This is predatory. (laughs) This needs to stop. It, it stops in, in the movie because then they're going to cut back to school and Cody's going to be the only person who sees Natalie falling off a ladder. <laughs> and he catches her with his bare hands. Yeah. And then he's going to go with her to the nurse. And now they're in love. Yeah, and that was it. That's all it takes. <laughs> all it takes is saving somebody from falling off of a ladder. Yeah. You know, um, Cody, you make a bad first impression and a terrible second one. <laughs> But the third one, it's pretty good. Yeah, considering I have no broken bones now. So yeah. yeah, not too bad. And you know what, Cody? You're invited to my birthday. Mission accomplished. Veronica, <laughs> Veronica has no faith in him. She's there to try and give support, <laughs> even though Cody ends up doing it all himself. And Veronica's like, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I see you. So then we cut to, now we're on our way to the party. Wait, the theme of the party is, the category is... Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, there is an unreal amount of, again, children gambling <laughs> and like casino aesthetic. Who is this movie for? That's a great question. I've, I've been asking myself the same thing since we started watching it and you fell asleep and then we had to watch it again and then we finished it today. <laughs> yeah, this was a two-parter. <laughs> None of our the movies we've watched before have been a two-parter, which I think goes to show how much this experience truly was a slog. Before the party, Ronica is going to give Cody some prep work. Um, it may be a dangerous party. The villains might be there. Yeah, at by the, the way, all the cronies might just be there. At this 15-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, so you got to be prepared. Stay on the DL. Here's a floor plan of the house. He gets to drive a red Ferrari to the party. Yeah. I thought he doesn't have his license. Yeah, doesn't the CIA get him his license? Yeah, they force Mr. Yip to approve Cody's license. Yeah. And we get a direct, you know, James Bond parallel moment here where he pulls up to security and he's he's Banks, Cody Banks. Yeah, good one. Um, He's wearing his see-through glasses so he can see that the guards are strapped. Yeah. (laughs) And he can also see through the women's clothes at the party. Although he can't see all the way through, he can somehow just see their underwear and bras. Right. Yeah. (laughs) No nips. And it turns out there was a parental control this whole time. Right. Because Ronica is like, no, no getting distracted. How dare you? Even though it's a pool party, he's... (laughs) All right, whatever. Um, What do you mean? It's like a black tie casino. I guess I'm just thinking of the people who end up getting thrown in the pool maybe it's not a pool party there is a pool (laughs) there is a pool you're not allowed to go in (laughs) yeah yeah natalie spots cody she says hello i'm like why is this 15 year old 
girl's birthday party, this like black tie event. Um, he gives her a necklace that is a tracking device. <laughs> so romantic. So yeah, this is not a red flag at all, Natalie. You've gotten a you've got a GPS collar. Good work. Yeah, again, there's a lot of, you know, gambling at this children's party. Um, but oh, we get we get a sighting of Dr. Collins. And they're being so sketchy in plain sight here. They're yep. fully going into like an underground lair. At Natalie's birthday party. Wait, hold on. I wrote down a note and I don't really remember what happened, but I wrote, Ronica tries to tell Cody something and Cody is like, don't ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really remember what happened either, but I also have Cody yells at Ronica for interrupting him. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to listen. He's trying to do his job. Don't ever interrupt me. Oh, I think it's through like the earpiece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Cody, they're going to go into this, you know, casino type room He's going to come face to face with Francois, a.k.a. the villain from The Mummy. Then, you know, he's going to see the villains coming in from the sea. (laughs) I just have so many questions that I just wrote off in like stream of consciousness style. LOL. They're going underground in plain sight and Brinkman is on his way in a boat. Yeah. Why is he doing this at his daughter's party? Why are there so many ducks? I have a lot of (laughs) questions. Yeah. Um, All right. So we cut to Ian McShane and Francois want to see a nanobot test. Cody has somehow gotten into the air duct and is like spying on them from above. Yeah, he infiltrated. Yeah. Okay. So here's Ian McShane's plan. He wants to unleash the nanobots on American weapons. But I'm still like, why? Yeah. You just gave us the power to neutralize America's entire strategic arsenal. Yeah, like did America like wipe out your family? Did you did you get busted for tax evasion? Like why <laughs> why why is this your motivation? Why is this your goal? Yeah, and I also love how we really don't have a country of origin for these villains. Like you said they really do just have like a non-specific yeah. nondescript accent. Uh-huh. It's just it's really hard to grasp onto anything. Yep. Here. Um, so the the way that you can stop the nanobots from just eating everything is apparently just putting them in ice cubes. They don't do anything below a certain temperature. They gotta be cold. Yeah. And so after the villains leave, uh, Ronica tells Cody to go get a sample. And don't worry, he has sticky shoes. So he's gonna walk on the ceiling to get the nanobots. Yeah, and he gets the sample, but then he puts it in his shoe. And the heat, I guess, from his foot melts his shoe off. Well, it's the nanobots. Yeah, the heat melts the ice. Yeah. And then the nanobots eat his shoe. Mm -hmm. I didn't know we had to get so in the weeds with that. It's it's a specific process. (laughs) Yeah. And he sets off the alarms. Um, But he's able to get out. And then once again, he has another altercation with these prep school boys. Yeah, big hand, hand, big hand-to-hand combat scene. Yes. They go to throw him in a pool, but he uses his training on them and just, you know, fully attacks them. Yeah, and for some reason, this is not alarming to anybody. No, they, they're like watching with glee. They give him a round of applause. Natalie says, he's in every single one of my classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's cool now. Yeah. Yeah, Natalie loves it. The audience loves it. Like, this is entertainment. But you know who does not love it? Ian McShane. He knows these moves. 
You've seen them before. Yeah, they're direct out of the CIA. It's the CIA. <laughs> and his cover's blown. Yep. You're off the case. Rizzoli has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody is pissed. He's like, I didn't pick this career. It picked me <laughs> when I was 13. Two years ago. <laughs> We're going to cut back to our villains. Dr. Connors is going to refuse to use science. How dare you use science this way? Science is a good thing, and you want to use it for a bad thing. That's not science. And I Ian- will not use science to destroy the world. <laughs> and Ian McShane is like, nerd. <laughs> um, excuse me, I believe he says, you pompous little know-it-all nerd. <laughs> um, Which is what my enemies called me as well. A pompous I'm, little know-it-all nerd. I'm just kidding. And yet, he's going to use Natalie to get to Dr. Connors. Perfect plan. Yes. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. Yeah, so Natalie is just so impressed between, you know, Cody saving her life at school and now just, like, his combat skills at the party that she just, like, shows up at his house. Yeah, which uh, shocks all of Cody's family. They're like, oh, my God, a female Oh my gosh, it's a girl. It's a real girl. <laughs> and I, I stand corrected. All right, so Natalie and uh, Cody do have one thing in common. They both like the worst flavor of ice cream, pistachio. <laughs> okay, but here's my thing. Does Cody actually like pistachio? Oh, you or think does... that you're sliding? <laughs> or does he know everything about Natalie? Oh, good point. He it... might not even like pistachio. What a poser. It's such a bad flavor. I mean, yeah, you keep... that's... That was sort of what I got is that he knows it's her favorite. And it's like T.S. Eliot, but ice cream. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pistachio is the T.S. Eliot of ice cream flavors. <laughs> All right. Cody wants to tell Natalie something. It's and- the cats of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pistachio like- <laughs> really is the cats of ice cream. Honestly, actually, that that's not inaccurate. Um, but yeah, Cody wants to tell Natalie that, you know, He's a CIA agent, but Natalie's going to stop him right there because she knows what he's going to say and she feels the same way. Yeah, she likes Cody and she thinks that Cody likes her too. But just in time uh, for this, you know, big reveal of feelings and emotions, uh, the villains are here and they've come to kidnap Natalie. Well, like we've said, there's, it's just Natalie's so underwritten and this was just not a satisfying romantic moment at all. So yeah, to sum up, Cody has creeped her out, uh, almost killed her in a car, saved her, beat up a bunch of dudes at a pool party, and now Natalie loves him. Yeah. <laughs> what? These, these things do not a story make. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, there is no meaningful interaction. There's no moments of character or relationship development. There is no chemistry. They had more chemistry in their episode of Lizzie McGuire. Than they have in this movie. What happened? Because I'm pretty sure Lizzie McGuire was first. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. This almost feels like it was Lizzie McGuire got cast to be in this movie. Like how she was cast to be in Frank that Frankie. Maybe this is the movie that Frankie Muniz was making. <laughs> Maybe. In his guest episode of Lizzie McGuire. Oh, that would be interesting. That'd be an interesting twist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to the movie. <laughs> this might be my favorite line in the movie so natalie is kidnapped um cody gets you know beat up 
by these like henchmen. Was one of them Francois? It was Francois, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. Cody is now just totally off the case. Like, don't get involved in this. He goes home. He's all beat up. He has a black eye. And his dad's first reaction is, did that girl do this to you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And Cody is kind of like not really telling anybody what happened. And so he's grounded. How dare you come home so late? Yeah. How dare you engage in fisticuffs? Yeah, no fisticuffs here. It's a, a fisticuffs-free household. Um, in his room, Cody notices that Alex is playing with all of his spy things, and he's like, give me that. Yeah, it's very um, annoying kid-sibling dynamic. But then Cody's like, hmm, maybe I can use Alex to my benefit. How would you like to be a junior, junior agent? Well, that's because he noticed... Cody remembers, oh, yeah, I tagged Natalie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm still tracking her. Yeah, I'm still tracking her. So, yeah, he can find out her exact location via his phone, and she's in the Cascade Mountains. What? I don't know. I don't know what the Cascade Mountains are. I assume they're in Washington somewhere. And this is the point in my notes where I'm like, wow, this movie is a slog. Yep. Uh, so yeah, this is about where I tapped out for the night. (laughs) It was. So yeah, for $5,000, Alex will cover for Cody while he sneaks out the window. Actually, this is a little bit unclear because the next note I have just says CIA. Did he skate? I'm assuming he skateboarded there to the CIA agency. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, and from there, he's going to take the car that he wanted before a new car. Yeah. We're, we're. Well, in the thick of it now. And then he, like, procures a helicopter. How did he get a plane? Actually, did he take the... Oh, no, because he drove the car to a lake. Yes. And in the lake, there was a plane. And then he took the plane to the mountains. Yes. And then in the mountains, he got out of the plane and had a snowboard. And then he's... A whole (laughs) snowboarding sequence. This is all nonsense. Yeah, it was a very circuitous route to the lair in the Cascade Mountains. We do get one scene back at the house where the mom uh, is looking for Cody and Alex has to cover. Um, I guess they, very like Ferris Bueller-esque, they pre-recorded some messages and it works. Yes. But back to this snowboarding sequence, it's wild, right? Because then, you know, a bunch of the Brinkman, that's his name, right? What are we calling? Are we just calling him? Ian McShane. Ian McShane, yeah. So... His, you know, henchmen follow Cody. Like, how do they get? How do they? How do they get onto him? I don't really remember. But then they—they just find him. They I find mean, he, him. He cuts through a fence to get to the lair, and then one of the patrol people are like, "The fence has been cut." Yeah. So then they go after him, but he outruns them, and he like lights one of them on fire. Oh yeah, the, some of these people are going to experience some very violent deaths in this movie. Um, but then he wipes out, he lands upside down in a tree that is also now on fire, but who shows up to save the day? Ronica. Yeah, we skipped the scene actually. While this is happening, there's a brief scene at the CIA where the director is like, he stole the car and he's pissed. Oh yeah. And, uh, he's like, Ronica, you better do something or you will lose your job. My summer camp wasn't training operatives. It was training hoodlums. $10 $10 million training this hoodlum. For what? For what? But Ronica shows up. She and Cody have another just tense moment. 
But they're on the same team, right? Like Cody's like, I'm not coming back with you. I'm here to rescue Natalie. And Ronica's like, yeah, so am I. And then another weird AF moment where, so she comes down on this like flying contraption where she's like upright and she's sort of like strapped in and she's flying and he's supposed to get in and fly with her. So he sort of walks on and hit the top of his head, like he is like eye level with her boobs. And he tries to like get into this contraption that way. So it would just be like face and boobs. Yes. And he's and she's like, no, no, no. Turn around. It's just so weird. Oh my goodness. What? Um, so much. Like Angie Harmon, I'm so sorry that sorry, you went through this. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrific. Um, anyways, so they arrive at the lab. And in the lab, Natalie has been put into like a a glass dome kind of thing. And Francois is going to tell Ian McShane that Natalie is trouble. And yeah, she's upset. She's being imprisoned in a glass dome. Cody is going to sneak into the glass dome as if no one can see him. But there's a camera right there. Everybody saw him do this. Um, And he's going to, you know, basically try and just lay all the cards out for Natalie. Yeah, I mean... The camera doesn't catch him at first, but then he like fully tackles her and totally like blows his cover and he's down on like one knee and her reaction to this. Now they're 15. Her reaction to this is you're not going to propose to me, are you? (laughs) No, I'm just hiding from the camera. I just need to get to your dad. Yeah. And Cody tells Natalie that he works for the CIA and she doesn't really believe him at first, but then she's like, so you were just using me to get to my dad? And he's like, in the beginning, it was just my assignment. But towards the end, they pulled me off the job because I was getting too emotionally attached to the subject. Oh, man. Um, this whole time, Ronica is setting some charges and she busts in. She's like, we need to go now. But- yeah, and Natalie's like, what is this school nurse doing here? <laughs> um, but too late. They've been apprehended. Yes, and the action sequences in this movie are truly comical. Once again, Taser Watch comes into play. Cody's going to electrocute some of his captors and take the charge and then hide. But Ian McShane can't be bothered. He has a bigger plan to get to. He is going to really put the pressure, really bring the heat to Dr. Connors. He has Natalie. Yeah, thank you. He has Natalie, and he's going to put one of the nanobot ice cubes to her forehead And you know what? When this melts, it will eat her from the forehead. (laughs) So you better do what I want. It's such a brutal way to die. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So the so the stakes are really high. The ice is melting, but here comes Cody Bates. (laughs) But multiple times, Natalie is like, it's Natalie being like, "Dad, don't do it. I will sacrifice myself." (laughs) And then Cody, yeah. Like you said, he hops up on the ceiling with his charge. And he's like, I'll blow this place to smithereens. And Natalie's like, do it, Cody. Do it. <laughs> also, I don't know if you noticed, but each time it like flashed back to Natalie, like, <laughs> the ice cube was like slowly moving. Like he was down her face. I was just like, why is this happening? Like oh, it's on man. her forehead and then it's on her cheek and then it's on her upper lip. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. But, yeah, he's like, I'm going to blow this place up. And then he does. And then he does. Yeah. Um, fire 
just explosions everywhere. Um, and now more hand-to-hand combat. Here's the moment of the movie. Yeah. Natalie gets a hold of the ice cube with the nanobots, and she's like, you know what, Ian McShane? You look like you could use an ice cube. And then he eats it. And then he is just being <laughs> murdered. Yeah, he's just eating from the inside. From the inside out. Just eating out from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you weren't going to do it again, and then you did. No, I did. (laughs) And, like, Natalie's just watching him this whole time being like, yeah, I did that. I killed him. No big deal. Yeah, she's so willing to accept her reality. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, like, active trauma on her face or anything. Oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so he's dead, and then Cody and Natalie and Dr. Connors and Ronica are like, we need to bust this joint. We need to get out of here. And so they're running, but then a beam falls and they're separated. So Cody and Natalie need to find an, an, uh, like an alternate way out. So they hop on a snowboard. Meanwhile, Ronica and Dr. Connors find a helicopter. And so, boom, they're going to snowboard up to the helicopter. But, oh, no, here's the next problem. Stakes, the doors won't open. Oh, no, whatever will they do? Don't worry, Cody will sacrifice. And meanwhile, the nano nanobots are starting to like <laughs> eat, eat everything. Eat everything. Um, so he's like, take off in the helicopter, and they take off just as like the staircase collapses. How Cody is not eaten as he's like running <laughs> to find a way out is very unclear to me. But yeah, he's gonna start throwing some nanobot ice cubes at the door so that the door finally breaks down and there's a, a way out for the helicopter. Yes. Um, prior to this, there was another altercation with Francois that I don't think you mentioned, but it is important because we think he's dead, but he is not. I mean, I didn't think he was dead. I I felt like he was just not, because Cody does like a, he jumps in and does like a midair punch right to Francois's face. But Francois, he's, he's a fighter. He is. Makes him that much stronger. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And then essentially, I mean... What, what else can I say? So Francois not dead. Um, there's another fight scene. Cody gets a hold of Ronica's, that flying machine from earlier, and he clips Francois into it, and he's gone. Goodbye. And then he fully just, like, jumps onto a moving plane. <laughs> a helicopter. Helicopter. Wait, you forgot to mention the line. So Francois is, the reason Francois is so mad is not because Cody punched him in the face. No, he messed up his haircut. See? <laughs> you messed up my hair. And yeah, did you say Cody, you mentioned Cody sends him back to the CIA? Maybe. You Probably. <laughs> yeah, so Cody's, yeah. Cody straps him to the hovercraft and sends him back to the CIA. And then, yeah, jumps on the helicopter. They fly away as the lab bursts into flames. Yeah. It's over. And then we cut back to the CIA. You're right. Francois is there. We get this like maniacal laugh. <laughs> him, that's kind of like the closure. <laughs> I'll um, see you again in the sequel. I guess I guess his, at some point his family caught on to what's going on because he is going back to public school. The We up the sexual tension between an adult and a child. Yeah, they're officially partners. Yeah, he yeah, cuz she like tries to like fix like a stuck up piece of his hair. And she's like, I'm sorry. I know you hate when I do that. And he's like, it's okay. You're my handler. No one splits up. Ronica 
and Cody. (laughs) (laughs) She's like partner. And it's just, again, it's heightened to a level that I have heat to that I did not need. Yeah. Um, Um, But it gets a round of applause. Again, people just love giving Cody a round of applause. Everyone applauds him. Um, The director of the CIA is like, you did this for me. Is there anything I can do for you? Cut to Natalie driving very poorly. Yeah, she got her driver's license. That was the one thing that Cody wanted out of his life. Was for Natalie was to for get her <laughs> driver's license. Yeah. And then we have a final a final scene between, gosh, I don't even know what to say. Like, they're not a couple to me. They're not anything to me. They went I mean, through, why would they be something to you? They're they, something to each other. They went through a traumatic experience together and did no work to, like, unpack that. She murdered a, a dude. <laughs> yeah. And it's very cringy. It's very, like, they're looking at a sunset over the water. She's like, it's so beautiful out here. He says, just like you. Nice. Nailed it. Um, They're about to kiss, but who interrupts it? None other than Ronica. Get out of here, Ronica. You know why Ronica ruined it, don't you? Don't even go there. And then it <laughs> ends with a kiss and this movie is over. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, like weak all around. I really want a good teen spy movie now, though. Well, I mean, that kind of brings us to what we're doing next week, right? Does it? I mean... I don't know. I don't really know what this movie is about, but the title of it makes it seem like it could be spy related. It's not spy related. It's just military school. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, next week we are going to another Hillary Duff classic. The is it 2003? Uh, 2002. 2002. Yeah, this was before Agent Cody Banks. Okay, the 2002 film Cadet Kelly, starring Hillary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano from Even Stevens. So. I, I, I need to ask now, you've unfortunately ruined your credibility by making us watch this movie. Is Cadet Kelly a movie that will not hold up once we start watching it? Cadet Kelly slaps. <laughs> and I can say that with- Towel con- slaps? No. <laughs> I can say that with confidence because I have watched this since it's been available on Disney+. Plus. So I have watched it in the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Sean Ashmore is in this movie. It's really good. I'm excited to talk about this movie with you. I will enjoy the experience of watching it again. Okay. And I can't wait. Do we do we want to talk about any of the outfits in Agent Cody Banks? I mean, what's there to talk about? It was basically just like Ronica's boobs. Well, we didn't talk about the Seahawks hat. The Seahawks hat. <laughs> They're like, Natalie's favorite sports team is the Seahawks. Wear this giant foam hat. It will make you fit in perfectly. But otherwise, the fashion and aesthetic was very standard early aughts, I would say. Standard unless it was um, inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Although, (laughs) for some reason, Ian McShane was like always in a white jumpsuit. (laughs) (laughs) Turtleneck situation. Yeah. He was like a reverse Steve Jobs. I don't know. I'm really ready to end this podcast. All right. I did not enjoy this movie. But you didn't didn't declare who your MVP is. I think it's got to be the little brother. Oh, you're giving it to Alex? Right. Is that your final answer? I mean, Natalie didn't do anything wrong, but she also didn't do anything right. 
I don't so. know. I would probably lean more towards Ronica. I don't know. Ronica de-toweled a child. So that really knocks her out of the running for me. I know she's so actively objectified throughout the film. And like, I respect her as a, you know, for what she was. But you can't derobe a child. Yeah, I guess that's, I don't know. I just feel like she was the only reason any of these plants succeeded. That's true. But also Alex. Alex came in clutch. (laughs) That's true. But I guess on the flip side, like, Say the mom, say Alex doesn't do his job and the mom is like, oh no, Cody's not here. Nothing's going to change. Yeah. Well, a mediocre MVP for a mediocre movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's not without its problems. No. Anyways, can we call it a day? Sure. Let's call it a day. Let's call it a day. Let's call it. (laughs) Yeah. I have some Bachelor in Paradise to watch, so... So that was our recap of Agent Cody Banks, an underwhelming endeavor. And, you know, if you have fond childhood memories of this movie, just keep it in the childhood because <laughs> yeah, it is not something that needed to be. Because you'll be disappointed today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And as always, you can, you know, keep following us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter Email us with any thoughts at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. As always, this episode, uh, as well as any of our other episodes, can be listened to either on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters, or on any platform where podcasts are available. Yeah, and be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the DCOM classic Cadet Kelly.